are listening to True Crime Fiction, feeding your addiction to the best of the written and the spoken word in crime. If you would like to support the podcast, you can do so for as little as £1 at patreon.com slash truecrimefiction. Welcome listeners and this week we are interviewing Jonathan Whitelaw who is the author of The Bingo Hall Detectives and several other crime fiction novels as well. Bingo Hall Detectives was reviewed last week. Congratulations on the publication of your book Jonathan. Thank you very much, thank you very much for having me. It's It's been a it's been quite a ride since it, since it came out in April. Um, yes, it's been it's been great. Lots of people have been saying lovely things about it, uh, and I always get really really paranoid when that happens. It's uh, <laughs> you don't as a journalist you tend not to hear an awful lot of people say awful nice things about you. And then uh, when you when you're a when you're a published author and when your when your books come out and folk actually enjoy reading what you're uh, what you're writing, it's. Uh, it's quite a culture shock. <laughs> <laughs> Rather than, yeah, I guess journalists kind of do have a bit of a reputation. They do. Um, they do. Sometimes deserved, sometimes absolutely. Not, I no, would say. absolutely, absolutely. I, uh, I'm not one of those journalists, <laughs> but I, but the thing is, over the over the course of my career, I've met plenty of them who uh, who more than warrant that uh, that reputation. If I actually, if anything, if I was being perfectly frank. Um, the reputation doesn't go doesn't go far enough for them, but that's uh, that's for oh, another yeah. time, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that sounds like there's a novel in there. <laughs> well, you never know. It's uh, it's one of those things. Um, journalism, particularly journalism in Scotland, it's uh, it's quite a it's quite a, a well, it's a re- it's a relatively closed club in that it's not that big. Um, so people tend to go around, and everybody tends to know each other. Uh, Particularly when you've been in it as long as I have, uh, which feels like a thousand years. Um, I actually but, think uh, that's just true of any sector yeah, in yeah, Scotland, because yeah, yeah. Scotland's yeah. just such a small country. Absolutely. I I was working in the Parliament in my last job, and one day one of the MSPs asked me if I, I could go down to reception because she was meant to be having a meeting with the moderator of the Church of Scotland and I've worked with religious organisations before so I kind of get to be dumped with all that sort of stuff so I went down and I was just doing all the chat you do when you have a visitor to the parliament and like trying to keep people engaged and feel like we're being friendly and open with them and all that kind of stuff so I was sort of telling him oh I can remember when the moderator came came to my area when I was a kid and I was fascinated by the ring. Do you still have the ring? And he was like, yeah, I've got the ring. And uh, he said, where did you grow up? And I was like, I grew up in the Black Isle. And he said, oh, do you know, there used to be a really crazy minister on the Black Isle called Campbell <laughs> Campbell Jack. And I was like, that's my father. <laughs> lovely, lovely, lovely. What was the reaction after that? What was it? Was it, you know, was it amicable? Was it? Did you ramp it up? Yeah. <laughs> he did not miss a beat. Um, like, I was quite impressed with how he dealt with it, actually. So he was like, oh, right, how's he doing? Yeah, he was always a bit, uh, eccentric, wasn't he? But I did sort oh, well. of say, look, it's okay. Everyone in the family <laughs> thinks crazy as well. Like, we're under no illusion what's he, what he's like. <laughs> Oh well, that it's, it's sort of amicable then, isn't it? It's I, I always I always admire that when you get people that that work, you know, in in, in public in, the, in public life and have that that sort of knack to, um, 
not back down, but double down almost on the uh, on on the line because that's the thing. You know, if if he tried to reverse it, it would have got bet. You know, it might, might have got more awkward things. But if he if he carried on, and thankfully, obviously, Manny, you're 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 a nice person, so you you took it, you took it in the uh, in in good faith. Oh, good faith. There you go. Yeah, well, I was just like, this is the best story. And I was uh, telling one of my friends who grew up in Bristol, and she was like, this is the thing about Scotland. You can't say anything about anyone. Absolutely. You, you all know each other. Absolutely. <laughs> like, pretty much. I, I, once, um, I once did some PR work, uh, the sort of dark side of the dark side of journalism. Um, I didn't last very long, and I wasn't I wasn't very good at it. Um. And I remember, I remember a, a very, very senior member of the agency saying to me exactly that, saying, you know, everybody knows each other. I don't know how anyone has an affair. And then there was this sort of, you know, short, sharp intake of breath going, uh, I don't think any of us were thinking about having an affair, but now we think you might be having an affair. Yeah. And, you know, it's obviously, it's obviously clearly on your mind that, you know, you're, or, or at the very least you're wanting to have an affair and everybody knows each other. So it was, um, yeah, listen, that's it. It's, it's a, it's a small parish. Uh, a relatively small parish uh, when it comes to when it comes to industry yeah absolutely yeah absolutely so your protagonist and bingo hall detectives is also a journalist is, yep. so how much of you is there in him uh oh well, th- th- see again this is this is the sort of thing that you don't you don't think about when you're putting these characters together, but how much you're going to put yourself in it. And then suddenly you get to the point where people are enjoying the book and it's on bookshelves and things and they go, oh, by the way, yeah, you do you do realise that, you know, Jason Brazel's a, a journalist and you're a journalist, Jonathan, how, exactly how much of it is, is it, of you is in it. The official line is, uh, the three-line party whip is that there's none of me in, in Jason. Uh, however, off the record, I think there's probably more of him in me uh, than than I than I've sort of consciously consciously given any sort of effort for. Um, journalists are journalists, and and, and w- one thing that one thing that I was very very acutely aware of when I was writing this book was the sort of importance of local journalism. Um, so the book the book's set in Penrith, and Jason is out of work because the local paper has closed down, and that's you know that that's been the um, that's been the story of the industry for the past. 10, 15 years, pretty much, uh, pretty much, but maybe even predating my my own start of my own career. Um and I drew on quite a bit of my own experiences within the local press for little little tidbits, little stories. That that that's probably that was probably a very conscious effort on my part to 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 have those sorts of stories in there because they're authentic. The the great thing about local press is that um well, there's two there's two main points that I always try and make about local local presses, local uh, newspapers. First one is that they are absolutely adored by the community that they serve. Um, I worked for the Dunfermline Press uh, for a while, and we used to get people coming to the front door of the office with the stories. You know, punters from from the, the local area. You're knocking on the door and asking to speak to journalists, and the stories ranged. You know, this it wasn't it you know it wasn't people crying bloody murder all the time. It would be you know local events, local you know charity events. I remember doing an interview about um uh, a I think it was the local a uh, model airplane club that was celebrating 50, 60, 70 odd years or something like that, and that was a story that someone had come to the office, knocked on the door, and and said, "This is the story. This is what's going on. Do you guys want to talk about it? Want me to talk about it to you?" 
Um, and having worked at national newspapers and tabloid newspapers and, and, and you know, multinational ones, um, you just don't get that sort of level of engagement with the reader because they're too big. You know, they're, they're, they're big, big, faceless uh, organisations and multinational conglomerates and things. Whereas, now don't get me wrong, most local newspapers in the UK, they're owned by these sorts of companies, but they always have a heart, a place very much at the heart of the community. And again, I wanted to sort of stress that. So in a way, the, the Bingo Hall Detectives is very much, in particular Jason, um, is my sort of ode to that um, to that sort of local journalism uh, ethos, really. The other part that I always try and pay tribute to is they're a fantastic uh, learning ground for young journalists. Um not everybody needs to go, you know, don't get me wrong, not every journalist needs to go and, and start a, a local newspaper. I didn't, um, but but I ended up through over the course of my career, I ended up doing work for, for local papers. Um, but in terms of just the sort of beat, getting to know the beat, getting to lo know local people, local organisations, the vast array of types of stories that you're going to face day in, day out uh, on a local beat. Um, it's a chance to hone your craft, really. And and it's a real shame that a lot of them are closing down, or at the very least, a lot of the local offices are closing down. Um, and the papers might still be going, but they're sort of centralised um, at centralised newsrooms away from the local communities that they that they serve. And um, listen, it's 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 just the nature of the of the industry. So I think you know you'll never get more any more bizarre a story than you than as a journalist than you would working on a on a local a local newspaper um and i think i tried to give give a little bit of authenticity and a little flavor as to what what you tend to get um when you're on that beat um and yeah, yeah. it's 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 yeah they're they're a valuable they're a valuable part of the part of the community yeah absolutely yeah i used to work in the very beginning of my career, I used to work in press cuttings. And I remember I, because I was new, I got to do all the local papers once a week. <laughs> yeah, There's some amazing stories. <laughs> unbelievable. Unbelievable stuff. Genuinely, you know, you genuinely couldn't write it. Uh, you know, I know that's a terrible thing for a writer to say, but some of the stuff over the years that I've seen in local papers and and, and worked on myself, um, you, you you absolutely couldn't write it. Don't get me wrong. You know, it's not, it's not always, it's not always, um, uh, sunshine and and uh, lollipops. It's uh, sometimes you get really really grim, you know, really really horrible local local stories that 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 end up you know going on to they start local and end up on a national mm. uh, and sometimes international stage. Um, so a, a bit like a bit like the bingo hall detectives, but yeah. we won't we won't go we won't get into too many spoilers. Okay, um, I think journalists tend to be quite a feature character in a lot of crime fiction. We sort of have. A, a row of um, professions that turn up again and again and again yeah, in crime yeah. fiction and journalists are one sometimes you know they're there solving the case but sometimes they're actually making the case more difficult to solve yeah. and they have quite a, a neutral position I think yeah. in a lot of crime fiction do you think with the sort of the much talked about demise of journalism and particularly investigative journalism that we're going to see less journalists as characters in crime fiction uh that's a really good question um a really good question because the, the sort of long-form journalism particularly in the UK is is all but dead really it's 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 limited to you know maybe your major broadcasters BBC Scotland for example they they still invest in long-form journalism which is great to see but the problem with it is that it takes so long to do and to do well 
Um, and with an increasing stress on sales and online sales in particular, you know, I, I, this isn't this isn't me being pious or anything because I was, I've been an online journalist the majority of my career, and I understand that you know long form journalism, well, it still has its place. That's not the name of the game when it comes to online. It's you don't have deadlines. Your deadlines were yesterday. It's it's instant, and you've got to be fast, 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 fast. As a, a as a, 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 a as a measure of that, there's an expectation, or there has been an expectation in newsrooms that I've worked in that a breaking news story gets you know confirmed, headlines, pictures written up itself within three minutes, uh, and anything longer than that is seen as being far too long to get that type of thing. Now I think my record for doing it is like two minutes forty five. But that's a that's a proper proper uh, concerted effort to do something like that. Um, I think in terms of a character, I'm not I'm not I'm not sure that I'm not sure that a journalist will always go away. I think I think it depends on the writer. I think um, I think the, the good thing about a journalist is, as a character from a narrative point of view, is that it, you know journalists always have an excuse to be at a crime scene. Mm. Um, you know, the, the, it, when when you move away from like your sort of classic detective character as a writer as a crime writer in particular you know you try and think up of of different you know someone else to be investigating the crime but the further away you move from a police officer the harder it becomes to try and realistically justify why that person would be would be involved um a journalist kind of fits the same bill you know you end up as a journalist doing a lot of detective work particularly for particularly for, you know, horrible murder stories or, you know, missing people or tributes and things like that, you, you end up doing a lot of work that detectives do. Um, and a, that 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 sort of lends itself very, very well to, to the narrative of a crime story because it means that you've, you've got a character there who is naturally inquisitive. Now, it's not to say, don't get me wrong, it's not to say that... Um, that, that you can't, you know, it's 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 just it's more of a challenge creatively to to come up with uh, to come up with characters to justify them being at a crime scene or being involved in it. Now that's coming from someone whose other main protagonist is a seventy-year-old retiree, uh, an amateur in in the bingo hall detective. Now she has the advantage, obviously, of having her son-in-law being a being a journalist. So that there is that there is that. And although again, it was a sort of effort, it was it was a concerted effort on my part to maybe not have the nature of the relationship between the two of them is that Amita's probably more <laughs> is more invested in doing the investigation that Jason is. Mm. Um, and yeah, you know, I, I, as a writer, I always like to challenge myself, I suppose. And and yeah, it, it's it's something that I think I think you'll always get journalists in in fiction and in particular crime fiction. I do always find it interesting when you when you read as a journalist when you read someone else who who doesn't have any history in journalism how a journalist is portrayed, uh, and I always tend to find that journalists, uh, you know, ex journalists who who've turned writers, turned crime writers in particular. Uh, they're they're very very different. They're very very different to someone who's maybe not had any experience in a newsroom or indeed being a journalist. And I tend I tend to think there's a little bit more more of a romanticisation of uh, of the press uh, by someone who's not actually set foot in a in a newsroom or been at the been at the coalface for it, so to speak. Not in a not a, not in a bad way. Maybe maybe it should be more romanticised. Maybe maybe all us hacks are just far too jaded with the. Uh, with ourselves and, and and each other mostly. <laughs> well, that's that's an archetype as well, isn't it? The jaded absolutely. journalist. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. It's it's very interesting what you're saying there because I I asked this of Amy Suter Clark who I interviewed a few weeks ago. Um, 
her novel Girl 11 is out now and the main character in that is a podcaster Mm -hmm. and it feels to me that a lot of very investigative work is being done on podcasts and there are a lot of journalists who have podcasts and I I think their podcasts are very often really quite high level really good but there's also a lot of people who don't have that kind of journalistic training because you literally buy a microphone and pay a little fee for your hosting and that's it do you feel that like there's a danger in that in like particularly I'm thinking when you're coming to true crime as well which is by its nature, um, people are going to be sort of very weary and cautious about speaking to people. Absolutely. Speaking to people who are very violent. Yep. And there, there is some danger there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it is a dangerous profession. Journalism it, it can be very dangerous. Um, not just, you know, not just obviously kind of war correspondents, people that are sent to, to, to situations. The, the, the famous trope about journalism is that it's the first draft of history, uh, and I and I always I always said when it came to online uh, online journalism that's the first draft of the first draft because it is always so instant. And there's been situations that I that I found myself in, particularly from from an online perspective, and also my colleagues that I've worked with who have found themselves almost you know in very very dangerous scenarios, and they hadn't even realised it because you get caught up in the nature of the story. Um, one thing that I would always say uh, about people that don't have a journalism background and particularly if they're investigating true crime as you said Mary, it's 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 it can be it's a bit crime by its very nature is is dangerous um but there's a lot of legal issues as well you know yeah. um when whenever whenever we have any sort of legal issues as as journalists we have lawyers who are on tap 24 hours a day seven days a week if for nothing else just to phone up and say can we do this can we not do that what can we use what can't we use you know, unless you are a lawyer yourself, or unless you have, unless you have, you know, endless funds to be to be uh, to be tapping up um, lawyers. You know, you don't want to. You, the worst case scenario that you want to find yourself in as an amateur podcaster uh, investigating true crime is being in trouble with the mob and also being in trouble with the crown. You know, um, and, and getting it in both fronts. And that's, you know, I always remember when I when I first became a journalist um, and I freelanced for a bit before I before I started working regularly in in, in media outlets. Um, and the lesson that I was told very, very quickly was do not do court cases. You know, just just don't do them because you, you, it's fine to go and cover court cases when you work for uh, a media outlet because they will have legal teams, they will have, you know, the protection of being journalists and that media organisation as a whole. Um, if you go and do it yourself and you get something wrong, you know, it's you. If you if you do something that invariably ends up becoming liable, uh, or, or or contempt, you know that one thing that we always get told as as journalists is, you know, you don't want to ever become the story. You guys don't ever mm. want to become the story. And if that means that you've published something that means that God forbid a, a court case gets, you know, yeah, has to get cancelled, and because you've published something that's can contempt or or, or libelist or what have you you know don't ever become the story you're there to report the story you guys as a media outlet don't ever want to become the story and that's that's it i mean you know i i would absolutely never encourage anyone from from a from doing this because ultimately that's how you know 
people can earn livings from it and 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 can uncover some really really interesting stories. Um, but there's a lot of risk. There's a lot of risk to do it when you when you don't have that when you don't have that experience and you don't have that you know little nuances. But you know, hey, it's like every other it's like every other industry, right? It's you know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't assume to be able to go into a hospital and perform open heart surgery because I don't know I don't know how it works. You know, it's I think that's it's, also a crime. Uh, yeah, <laughs> there we go. Exactly. Yeah, precisely. Um, and. Uh, yeah, it's it's like the publishing industry as well. You know, uh, I, people always ask me, um, sort of unpublished writers, people that are wanting to get published, they always say, "What's the what's the best advice you can give me, Jonathan, as, as a writer?" And I always say, "Just learn about the industry." You know, um, it is an industry, it is a business. Uh, education, education, education. To to paraphrase um, some political rhetoric from from many moons ago, um, you know, just just learn about how it works and and learn. You know, be be open to learn, be open to criticism, be open to 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 wanting to know more about it. Because the more you know about it, the more the better you're going to be at it. And yeah, that's that's exactly it. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's probably very good advice for whatever area anybody is totally. going into. One of the most amazing journalist-led podcasts I heard was by a journalist called Sam Poling. Do you know? Her? I know the name. Yeah. I know the name. Yep. So she has a podcast called Who Killed Emma? And it is about basically somebody who has killed this woman. She was a sex worker. So this guy had his name had come up in the investigation and he just kind of couldn't get rid of having that attached to his name. So he asked Sam to investigate, to clear his name. Through the wow. course of the investigation, she comes to believe he actually did it. Oh, my God. And, yeah, there is this moment where she confronts him with her evidence, and it is one of the tensest <laughs> moments oh, I have ever heard on a podcast because, like, they say afterwards that if there hadn't have been other people in the room with her, they were pretty sure he would have attacked her. Oh, my God. Um, and you can feel it coming out of the yeah, pocket, yeah, yeah. you know, that tension. Yeah. And I think that was a moment for me where I was like, oh, that's quite, it's yeah. incredibly brave, yeah. but also quite dangerous thing for doing a job. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, I mean, uh, just sort of going back to the legal issue stuff, you know, um, when, when I was at the Scottish Sun a couple of years ago, uh, we'd worked on a podcast uh, called Black Gold. Um, and it was about, uh, I can't remember the exact details of it. It was about a cold case murder that had happened in Aberdeen 15, 20, 25 years ago. Um, and it was like a six part series that, um, that we'd worked on. Uh, and we got around to getting it published. So I think we got the first episode published where it was being released weekly. Um, and between the, I think it was either between the first and second episodes being released and the second and third episodes being released, there had been an arrest. So it oh, wow. meant that we ended up with the, 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 the yeah, I, I can't, again, I can't remember the exact details as to who was arrested and what the nature of the of the relationship was between uh, the victim and, and, and the, the accused. I don't even know how it turned out, actually, because it it, it would probably be finished by now. Anyway, that, that was it. We had to pull the whole podcast, that the whole thing had to come down because this was a, this was a deep dive into into the life of the victim and, you know, all the evidence that had come up and was, was you know, cl- put away in a, in a filing cabinet for, for, for years because it was 
you know, there wasn't enough of it. And then suddenly that case was live again, you know, and it's one of those things, it's one of those tricky things. It's the, you know, if you publish something five, 10, 15 years ago, and then there's a, you know, a cold case gets resolved, do you have to take the evidence down because that might be prejudicial to the uh, juries and things? But this was all happening live. This, you know, it was, it was so close that there'd been loads and loads of advertising. It was all over the website, you know. A big, big thing had been made of this podcast that we that we put together, and then it had to it had to be uh, it had to be shelved because there there had been a there'd been a live development in the in the cold case, and it was. I mean, don't get me wrong; it was really really exciting. It was very frustrating as well because a lot of effort had gone into to putting this six part eight part podcast together, um, only for it to be to be shelved after about you know a week two weeks because. Uh, because it was now suddenly a live case again. So it's, it's things like that, you know, little nuances like that. And these, you know, again, you never know when journalism, you never know what's going to come next. Um, and I think from a from a writing point of view, from a crime writing point of view in particular, particularly with crime writing as a genre, I think nearly every writer, certainly the ones that I know, they try to capture that, you know, you try to capture that sense of you know, unpredictability when it comes to particularly crime. Mm. Um, as as gr- as grim as it can be, and as grim as it tends to initially be, uh, you know, you try to. I suppose it's it's dressed up now as being a twist, isn't it? It's it's it, it's the narrative term for it would be a twist, but you know, these things happen all the time in in newsrooms, and it's 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 exciting. It is, it, yeah. it is very exciting. I'm trying not to glamorize it because it's you know, like, again, it tends to be the very very worst of human beings uh, doing the very worst things to to really lovely people, but it's yeah. it it does have a it, there is a there is a there is a little uh, an element of not knowing what's coming next, and again, that's yeah. what you try and you try and you try and you just try and capture that lightning in a bottle as a as a writer. Mm. Yeah, because there's a podcast at the moment, Teachers Pet, which is an Australian podcast, which is looking into a very cold case of a teacher's uh, first wife who went missing. It feels to me quite obvious that he killed her. He was also grooming young girls in his school and doing all kinds of horrendous stuff. And towards the end of the podcast, because they uncovered so much information and there had been like a national outcry in Australia, they ended up arresting him. And now they're doing another podcast where they're covering the trial week by week. But there was a huge amount of discussion about what the podcast's role was and how that changes now it had turned into a court case and you know they they were asking themselves very similar questions to what it seems you'd asked and I think it's kind of it's really fascinating that we are now getting podcasts where the podcast themselves is moving forward a criminal absolutely and I I suppose it's, it's one of those things isn't it it's like with all the will in the world, police forces they they, they just can't you know they 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 just can't keep up you know this this uh, I I always I never understood this Crime Watch uh, when Crime Watch used to be on 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 TV once a month um, it's finished now I think I think they wrapped it up I think they yeah. did the road show on on daytime TV I could never understand even even as a youngster I could never understand how one show one you know one hour a week a month uh, one hour a month would try and you know try try to try to solve all these you know these particular cases my argument always was well how many serious crimes are happening in that hour up and down the uk you know and i suppose it's one of those things obviously something's better than nothing but with the advent of the internet you know it's it, it's a little bit easier to, to get these sorts of messages across and, and, and police appeals and things and 
I do. I find it. I find it really, really fascinating when when you get podcasts and essentially amateur sleuths in real life um, who are who are who are going out there and, and, and doing police work. And, and it's, I mean, it's, they're braver than I am. That's say that's for sure. I like to, I oh, like, yeah. I, I like crimes that don't exist and they are the ones that I made up my head and, and I can resolve in my head as well. Yeah. I like my interaction with crime to be purely on the page. <laughs> Long way <laughs> I to continue. Can't be, can't be doing with it in actual real life. Absolutely. <laughs> You're here. Yeah, one of the things I wanted to ask you about was why you chose Penrith. I'm quite fond of Penrith. I used to date a guy who lived in Carlisle and we had lovely. a few lovely days out in Penrith, lovely. the Ullswater area. Um, and I think it's always really nice when you get a book and you know the area it's set in. Yeah. There's something yeah. a bit extra special about that. So what what made you choose Penrith for this story? just a fondness really uh mary it's 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 um it's a place that, that i've been to quite a quite a bit uh over the years uh, over the decades in fact um you know we don't have any family connections or anything like that down there it's it's a it's been purely purely for pleasure that we've uh, that we've that we've gone um that we've been to penrith and Oswater and the lakes in general uh cumbria in general actually um it's it, it's a beautiful part of the world uh, it's it's a, a well known part of the world for for its beauty. Um, and again, I, I think I think setting it in Cumbria, there's there's a there's a str- there's a strangeness to Cumbria. I always find in that unless you're going there, you sort of blink and miss it. You know, mm. unless unless you've set out to go to you know, Carlisle or you know Kendall or Oswater, you know, you tend to just drive through it and not really pay much attention to it because you're you know that you're going you know whether it's down to Manchester Leeds Sheffield Liverpool or the Midlands and then obviously beyond for, for London and the south um and in particular particularly on the train you know uh, if you're traveling from Glasgow or, or, or Edinburgh um if you're heading down to London you know you stop at Penrith station and then that's kind of it you don't you don't ever really get a, a sense of the majesty of the place um and in one respect, that's quite nice because it means that it's always a special place to go to because you're only ever going to it to go there, you know. Purpose, um, yeah. But also, on the other hand, you know, it probably doesn't get enjoyed anywhere near as much as it as it should do because it's it's absolutely stunning. And some of the roads that are up, you know, particularly in the North Lakes and then heading down to the South Lakes, some of the roads are, are tiny, narrow little a uh, little country roads that. that with hills that are that are like that, you know, that are really really steep, and the the, the scenery is absolutely incredible, breathtaking. Any time of the year, my my favorite time of the year to go down there, sort of September October time, when the when the leaves have, have, have sort of fully changed and and you've got the you know these big sweeping landscapes of yeah. of, of amber and gold and brown and things, um, and it's absolutely stunning, absolutely stunning, and it's it's great to go there. It's always great to go there, and you know, there's th- there's there's an interesting tidbit that I found when I was researching. Um, the Bingo Hall detectives. Carlisle apparently is often used by um, survey takers because because where it is uh, as a city, um, you've got a lot of people that have come down from Scotland, a lot of people that have come up, you mm. know, from, from Southern England and Wales and, and across from 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 uh, Eastern England and over from Northern Ireland and Ireland and things like that. So that it's it's considered to be a, a massive mixing pot and actually a proper proper representation of the whole of the UK as a whole um you know a proper cross section in terms of in terms of where, where everybody's from so it means that the survey takers reckon that 
the answers that they get from uh, they get from surveys that are conducted there tend to be actually as close a true reflection of the whole of the UK's opinion as it, as anything else. Uh, and I thought that was really really fascinating because you know you don't again Carlisle's one of these places that you you tend to just see on on motorway on motorway signs saying it's it's X amount of miles away and then it's it's still X amount of miles to go. Um, so in a way, I think I think setting it in Penrith was 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 my ode to that area and all the fond memories of holidays and and and, and adventures that we've had in in that area. Um, from a narrative point of view, I think also, you know, it's it, it's as local as local gets. You know, mm. it, it's 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 not Penrith in particular. Obviously, isn't. You know, it's not Manchester, it's not Liverpool, it's not Sheffield, it's not Leeds, it's not Glasgow, it's not Edinburgh. It's not it's not a big, big city where, you know, loads and loads of people invariably will go there. With the nature of it being cosy crime, with it being a cosy crime novel, um, it, it, it just had this kind of community sense to it. You know, Penrith, it's it, it, it conjures up, you know, it conjures up maybe outdated notions of, of it being this quaint, cosy uh, little town nestled in the in the heart of Cumbria um and that clearly isn't true because it's a it's a it's as modern a town as as, as anywhere else in 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 the country um but I think it sets the I think it sets the tone I think it's it it certainly set the tone from 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 the off when I started writing it you know when when I that's how I thought of Penrith despite having gone there for years and knowing that that's not the case but when I hear that that, that when I when 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 the town's name popped into my head when I started writing this 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 novel, that's immediately what I thought. You know, a quaint quaint a quintessential English town in the heart of in the heart of Cumbria, and I think that sets the yeah it it, it sets it sets your agenda as a writer when you're when it comes to something like cosy crime in particular. The same way that the same way that big big cities, um, you know, Glasgow, Edinburgh, London. Birmingham, you know, in the same way that it that will maybe set the tone if you're doing something like a police procedural or or, mm. or a psychological thriller, um, and yeah, and it just it just fitted that that was that was the uh, that was the great thing about writing this novel was that everything just fitted it just all it just all came together really really easily there wasn't really anything that I sort of struggled to to think actually should it be Penrith or should it be Kendall or should it be Manchester or should it be somewhere else, um, and the same with the characterisation and the characters in there they they all they all sort of came fully formed in in my head when I sat down to to start writing it it's the easiest it's the easiest thing that I've written but it's it it's also in it. it in respect to that, it's also been the hardest thing to write as well because I, I I've always known how you know I've always known that I could do a really really good job with it. So I've always wanted to wanted to do a good job with it. And thankfully, I've got a fantastic fantastic team at Harper North who've been really really supportive behind it, um, and they get rid of all my silly spelling mistakes. Like not, I mean, I wouldn't know how to spell my own name if uh, if I didn't have autocorrect. But there you go. That's 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 the curse of being a, a writer, isn't it? Yeah. Well, as a as a dyslexic writer, um, I right. would absolutely second that. Um, absolutely. Yeah. So you've you've touched on genre now, which is something um, I often get a little bit obsessive about. Sort of genres and subgenres, and where does one subgenre start and another yep. end? So, uh, Binger Hall Detectives is very firmly cozy crime, but. What really made you think I want to write cozy crime? Because quite often it is people can be a bit snobbish about it. They yeah. can look down on it, and I have a feeling that it's probably seen as a very um, 
feminine subgenre. <laughs> yeah, your words, not mine. I'm I'm not saying anything. Uh, <laughs> no, no listen, enough. I agree. No, 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 I agree. I I I completely agree. Um, character is always a big, big thing for me in, in my books. Um, and it, it it's really, really interesting because I I think we've discussed before actually. You know what? 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 How can crime be cozy? You know how? How can? How can particularly murder, as as is the case in 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 the big whole detectives? How can something as as heinous as a murder ever be considered cozy? Um, but it is, and it, and it has been uh, by many many writers, not just myself, over over the over the centuries, technically, um, since it, since it became a since it became a thing. Um, character is is the big one for me, and. I always tend to start with characters. I always tend to start with with relationships of characters. Um, in this book, it's the relationship between a son-in-law and a mother-in-law. Um, and I love having characters that don't get on, um, mm. but, are, but are forced to get on, uh, whether it's through, in this case, you know, a family situation um, or it's work or it's whatever, you know, whatever, whatever the scenario, I, I, I like to see, I like to see my characters rub each other up the wrong way because I think it, I, I think that shows what a relationship is. It's, it's, it's all well and good having a relationship between two people who like each other. You know, it's exactly the same in, in real life. You know, you, it's, it's lovely to have, but in, from a narrative point of view, you want that conflict. You want, you want there to be that spark there. Um, and in particular with the relationship between, the mother-in-law and son-in-law it, it, it's it's a really really fascinating relationship as a thing anyway because it's usually two people who might not necessarily get on if they didn't have this singular person in mm. common you know it's it's the venn diagram isn't it um but they have to get on because of that one person you know uh and it's it's uh i i i saw that as a really really um really really positive really really fertile ground to have two characters and then when you throw in the, the kind of crime element of it when you throw in an investigation element of it particularly given they're both amateurs um it seemed to lend itself that that relationship between that the, the mother-in-law and, and son-in-law it felt like more of a cozy crime type relationship to or it felt like more of a cozy crime genre as a platform to tell that relationship with the type of humor and the type of love as well. Um, because that that's important. That, that, that's, that's an important thing that I wanted to add in the, the, the story was that, you know, they might not get on necessarily, but they still have a, a great deal of affection for each other. And that's not just because of this singular person in this case, Rada, who's, who's Jason's wife and, and, and Amita's daughter. Um, it, you know, it's not just because of her, but they learn over the course of the, the novel and over the course of the relationship together um, that they do have a great deal of affection for each other. And I think, I think having a cozy crime as a platform for that gave me the room. It gave me the space to explore that relationship a lot more than, say, maybe a police procedural where you're having mm. to constantly, you know, you're, you're constantly keep the pace up. You know, it, the, the 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 investigation almost overtakes characterization sometimes in 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 police procedurals, and that's fine. I mean, that's that that's okay. That that's why I read police procedurals is because I'm picking it up to read to read about you know how the crime is investigated. Um, 
I always, I always, I always liken it, particularly with cozy crime. I always liken it to things like Columbo and uh, Murder She Wrote. You know, the, the classic sort of American TV crime dramas. You know, Columbo was a, was a classic. You knew who the murderer was in the first ten yeah. minutes. That was that was the whole point of it. Was that it wasn't about the it wasn't about the crime as such. It was about the investigation. Um, and then obviously Jessica Fletcher with Murder She Wrote. You know, that was. I mean, she had to be. She like you, as soon as you saw Jessica Fletcher come into whatever concert it was or 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 a conference or whatever it was you know you should start panicking because the bodies start the bodies start dropping as soon as she she's the angel of death hey yeah, jessica fletcher never ever go on holiday with miss marvel no, no exactly absolutely these people are these people are omens they're magnets for a uh, magnets for trouble um but you know that that's the thing it's like you know you you look at those dramas and you look at those books and they're, they're still very much endeared um they're in, you know that they're loved just as much as your Rebus's, as much as your uh, you know Shetland novels and and Vera novels and and all the other countless uh, countless wonderful you know police procedural and, and psychological thriller detective stories that that you can think of. So yeah, I, I think it was the relationship for me, the, the the platform that Cozy gives you, you know, the space that Cozy gives you when it comes to crime investigation. Um, it, it gave me that sort of breathing room to to let that relationship flourish, really, um, and and it, and it helped, you know. Yeah, I I actually really enjoyed the sort of the arc of Jason and Amateur's relationship and where it ended up because I think one of the things is you kind of expect you're going to have a little mother-in-law jokes in this book, you know, <laughs> and the mother-in-law is always the bots of jokes like yeah, yeah, yeah. you never hear a nice mother in law no. joke it's, no 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 it's you don't. always quite unpleasant so i yeah. i think i was expecting there to be quite a lot of mother-in-law jokes but there, there's not and i was like oh and they end up actually finding a kind of balance between them which Absolutely. makes the home life for their whole family a lot more pleasant and particularly the the kids because of the age they're getting to and I was like oh that feels in a way quite subversive but in a very quiet subversion yeah it's very kind of you um it's a yeah I I mean you know when, when you have two when you have two protagonists who are so very different not not just you know not just in their interests and their likes and things like that but age as well you know that they're they're from different generations um, you know, you, you as a writer and as a person as well, you try and find that common ground, don't you? I, it, it, I always, I always say it's, it's rather unfortunate that it took it took a grisly murder to bring these two together yeah. in the way that in the way that they end up. Um, you know, what 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 would have happened if 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 there hadn't been that murder? You know, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I was very very conscious of having the characters get on eventually or, or or get on you know start from 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 a necessary getting on to getting to the point where they they actually do enjoy being in each other's company and actually what's interesting is i'm 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 in the process of writing the second one at the moment oh well i've, I've written the first draft and it's, it's off to my editor and what's what's been interesting is starting from a very very different starting point because when we start when we start the second book um, you know, we don't have that sort of that level of friction. Um, we, we don't have that level of sort of you know quiet uh, animosity almost between the two of them. Um, and it was something I was very aware of because I thought, uh, is it is it going to? Am I going to lose something with with those characters by them not having that? But actually, 
um, realistically speaking, that the, the, there's always there's always room for a little sniping, you know, comment from Amita. There's always a little room for something sarcastic from Jason because that's how people are, you know. It's you don't just resolve all your problems and then everything's hunky dory from then on in. Particularly with families, oh, you know yeah. that that's 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 it. That's the nature of families. That's that that's the nature of 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 a you know. You can get on well. You can get on the best you can with everybody in your family, but it never lasts. Um, and then you get to Christmas dinner and it all kicks off again. And that, you know, that's, that's, that's the beauty of it. And that's the, that's the, the sort of wonderful nature of having two characters who, who are, who are family, essentially from different generations, very, very different attitudes, very, very different um, interests and, and, and pastimes and, and, uh, and, and approaches to the investigation as well. I mean, ultimately this is a, it is a crime novel and you, the, you know, you've got to resolve the, you've got to resolve murder. Uh, in in this case, um, but yeah, it, well, I, I wasn't. I was. I, I yeah, I was very very aware of of not going down the Les Dawson, um, yeah. mother in law, uh, the, the same way that you know you don't want to write something that you don't want to write something uh, humorous that's 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 uh, a, a a custard pie to the face all the time. You know, it's it's. I was never tempted to do it. I should I should say that as well. I was never I was never tempted to put in a mother in law joke. It wasn't it wasn't I don't know if that's just a generational thing. I don't know if I, if I'd been writing this thirty odd years ago, then maybe it probably would have been full of it. Um but uh, yeah, it was uh, yeah, I, I I to be honest with you, I don't think Amita would let Jason um I don't think she would she would let him get away with mother in law jokes. I think I think she would think, think he's too would. good for that. <laughs> <laughs> I think bless her, she would think do you think he was he was too good for that sort of thing? Yeah. She's quite terrifying as a character, <laughs> I think. But that makes her very enjoyable to read on the page. I don't think Absolutely. I'd like her as my mother-in-law. Like I have yeah. some sympathy with Jason because I'm like, she's she's kind of like once she gets her jaws into something, she doesn't Absolutely. let go at all. Yeah, yeah. So and uh, that kind of determination is it's quite terrifying but obviously it's great for her character because it means once she's decided i need to investigate this yep. everything just sort of pushes forward immediately doesn't it it does um and again i think I, that that was a very conscious effort to make her the driving force um because she's older obviously uh, she's got no history in journalism. She's got no history in the police. You know, she's she was a, a working mum. Uh, she was the daughter of 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 a of sort of first gen- generation immigrants that had come over. Um, you know, she was she, she's she's a tour de force as a as a person. She's very active in the community. She you know she, she thinks that there's a very very specific way and proper way of doing things that's maybe a bit old school for certainly for Jason, but old school maybe for the for the twenty first century. Um, and then on the other side of it, you've got Jason who's unemployed, who's you know caught in this sort of malaise, um, this sort of downward trajectory at the start of the novel that that he he just he just can't be bothered. You know he he's got absolutely he, he's he's as much lost in the twenty first century as as Amita's views sometimes can be. Um, but again, it was a very very conscious decision on my part to make her the driving force to make her the one that says right come on you know pull your socks up Jason let's let's get up and get out and do something here um I think I I, I think 
there's probably a sort of subconscious part of me actually that, think that I would, re- you know, if I was in the position of Jason's, I would probably respond a lot better to Amateur's approach than to like say a nicely, nicely, oh, it's okay, don't worry about it, Jonathan, you, you know, everything will be fine. Um, and having a character like that, it means that it means that yeah, you are always driving that narrative forward. You are driving the investigation forward, and the drive, 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 constant, constant, constant. Because I think one of the, one of the things that I was aware of starting the novel and having two characters who who don't you know who who have no police background. Jason's a journalist, but he's you know he's a local journalist, and as he said, you know as he admits in 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 the novel that you know he's he bar maybe one or two very very early experiences with grisly murders and, and cases like that you know his his sort of beat was always lighter news softer news so to speak um so it, it helped me as a writer to have a character who was constantly pushing forward and want to want to keep things going because ultimately like i said you know it is a it is a it's a crime novel and 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 as much as as much as cozy maybe have maybe has a, a greater emphasis on location or uh, character and relationships it's still an investigation it's still there's still a whodunit to to solve mm. and, and and having sort of amateur was having her the way that she is um not only was 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 good for for a was was great for for narrative purposes but also it was a, it was a joy to write she's a joy to write for and having that that back and forth between her and jason that they're my favorite parts of writing these books is is the is when they get in an argument uh, if one of them doesn't agree with the other one it's it's great fun i i always say this i i i always whenever i'm asked about characters and things like that i i've i've had the great pleasure of, of interviewing joe abercrombie the fantasy writer many many times um over the years um and he said something he gave me a bit of writing advice years ago he said that you want to get to the stage jonathan where it feels like you as the writer are just listening in in a conversation between your two characters yeah you know you you want to get to that stage where you know them so well and they've developed so well um that it's just like sitting in and listening to them having a chat it's not you're not having to come up with each side and thinking who's going to say what next it's it's just the case if you sit down it's coming from you obviously but the feeling of it is that you know the characters and you've developed them and you've they're developed their relationship so well that it does feel that you're just eavesdropping in a conversation between between a couple of people um and that's, that's something magic, that i'm very really. yeah absolutely um absolutely that and, and trying to capture that obviously is the essence of what what it is to what it means to be a to be a good writer um but bearing it in mind as well i think is something that i try to do particularly with particularly with jason Amata because because they're the lead, you know, they're, they're, they're the two lead protagonists. And if 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 I don't believe in what they're saying, and I don't, I you know, I don't yeah. feel that way, then then readers aren't, you know, re, re, readers readers are smart, you know, and and they'll 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 not they'll not stand for it, you know. No, they they won't. I have to say, I am particularly looking forward to when they find out that Amateur's been secretly smoking in the house. Because I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's going to blow up. <laughs> Well, that's it. Listen, everybody. Again, that was a that was a, a that was something that I that I, I was very aware of doing because I think I think when it it happens quite early in the book, I seem to recall it happens relatively relatively early in the book. And I think um, when I came up with that as an idea for her to have for her, I was I, I don't I don't I think I stopped just short of getting up and you know and you know fist fist day fist pumping but i thought finally finally i've got something on her you know finally got something on her and yeah it'll be i'm not i'm not giving too much away but that's a little ace up jason's sleeve if he ever uh, if he ever discovers that because that's a 
that's hypocrisy manifest, as they say. Yeah. And it's like, it's, she's not even going outside the back garden. It's <laughs> no. actually in the house. It's in the house, yeah. It's in, it's in, I know, it's in and I'm it's like, that just makes it so much worse. At her Absolutely. I know, terrible. Um, she's, dre- she's dreadful. She's a dreadful person. There you go. That's <laughs> it. I'm so glad to get that off my chest. <laughs> yeah. It kind of brings me to one of the things I've been, I've been thinking a lot about Cody Crime recently. Um, and I, I wonder if cosy crime is just really the wrong term. I wonder if it should actually just be more domestic crime. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I, I think, I mean, it's 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 one of those things. I think that uh, we all get stuck in labels, don't we? You know, and, yeah. and, 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 and invariably, particularly crime, you know, particularly the crime fiction genre, because it's so big, because it's, it can be potentially so amorphous you know invariably you'll read books that that might be billed as a psychological thriller or as a police procedural or as a cozy crime and 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 they, they, they invariably only have maybe the the slightest the slightest um the most tenuous hold on to onto that that genre's definition i uh, i like that i like domestic domestic uh, crime i like that as a, a term because it is it's it's you know homely you know that that's that's a hallmark of 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 cozy is that it's you know, the, the, there's always a homeliness to it. There's always a sense of you know, you try as a cozy writer. Well, again, I can't speak for everybody, but from my perspective, you try to knit that sense of community into the into the work. Um, and whether it's a case of the community shocked or it's rocked or it's torn apart or it's having to build up around whatever this terrible crime has been. Uh, and again, you know, it is a crime. It's a it's a terrible yeah. crime that's happened. Let's 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 not let's not get away from that. At the end of the day, particularly the big old detectives, it's a murder. You know, someone a, a pensioner's been murdered. Um, much to the shock of everybody involved. I yeah, I like that. I like I like domestic. Yeah, it, it does it. It it kind of t- it, it 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 seems it seems less um almost gratuitous. You know, I I I, I, I very odd that cozy could ever be. Grat- <laughs> the word cozy could never be described as cretaceous, but it's yeah, because it is. You're right. You're absolutely right. It is. It's 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 all about that community, and it's all about that you know, um, you know that that set amount of people that that suddenly get plunged into a world that they are very very much not not ready for. Um, yeah. And the big old detectives, obviously, it's it's pensioners and and Jason who, and obviously the wider community in Penrith, being rocked by this murder. Um, you know, and 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 just not being ready for it, and that's that's it. That's the essence of what cozy is: is that it's a, it's a bunch of people that that don't run into murderers and don't run into criminals on a day to day basis, but here yeah. they are having their worlds tipped completely upside down. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm reading after the funeral at the moment by Agatha Christie. It's one of her yep. Poirot novels, and this gets called cozy crime. There's an axe murder in it. Somebody <laughs> is literally axed into bits. And I was like, no. this is not cozy. No, no, <laughs> that's, no, no. That's quite horrible. But so much of the characters in it and their relationships with each other are domestic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's like yeah. the living companion who yeah, yeah, yeah. bakes fresh scones. There's this lovely scene of two women arguing over who's going to inherit the green mica table. You know, there's there's lots of kind of very everyday domesticity, yeah. which is threaded through the whole thing. But the actual murder, pretty horrendous. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Yeah, it's I mean, so, someone someone described Cozy to me years ago that 
what cozy crime is is that it's a it's a crime novel essentially, but you just don't see the knife going in. You know, yeah. Um, you you, do, you know you don't have the blood and guts and the gore and the you know the sex and the violence and things like that that you might get from a police procedural or or, or any other element of crime. Um, and I think, uh, I mean, cozy crime is massively popular at the moment, and it has been for the last eighteen months or or longer. Uh, and everyone within the industry is predicting that it's, that's going to continue. And a lot of that is down to you know the past two and a bit years that everyone's experienced. And I think everyone, myself included, myself as a writer included, um, I think we're all just looking for a bit of a break from reality. You know, we don't, yeah, we, you know, we don't always want to be reading about a spider web, spider web glass shattered, uh, bullet holes and things like that in the back of cars and blood, you know, all over the street and. You know, don't get me wrong. That it's 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 great. <laughs> I, I love it. I, I love all of that, but not all the time. You know, not not all the time. And 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 again, from a writer's perspective, it's been an absolute joy to to sit and do the to do the bingo hall detectives because, um, you know, at times it's a relief to be able to just sit down at the computer uh, and and have just write an argument between Jason and, and Amateur, and then I'll maybe put back if if I'd sat down to, if I'd planned to do something maybe like a big reveal or a twist or something like that. If I'm having a particularly bad day, I'll just maybe put that back a day and I'll sit and just have a, an argument with them about scones or full English <laughs> breakfast or uh, Jason driving too fast or Amateur having a cheeky fag in the in the in the attic, you know. And it does it brings us back. I'm I'm smiling just now, and it, it it does bring a smile on my face when I think about it. And and I, and I think that's something that Cozy Crime does really really well, is that you can still have a really really juicy story, a really really juicy who done it, um, and trying to work out the who, what, where, why, and when, and all the rest of it. But you know how you get from A to B or A to Z, uh, and find out that the zebra did it. You know, it's it tends to be tends to be a bit more pleasant. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been bad timing for me <laughs> because my first novel which is currently being shopped around is not cozy crime right. um so it's called self-help for serial killers right and uh yeah it's not pleasant and i feel like it's just a timing thing you know oh, absolutely like, it's oh, just totally. not the right time so totally. i don't know maybe in five years or so people might be like actually a bit calmer now we've got through the worst of everything yeah. i want to get back to blood and gore and guts well, kind do you of know thing. that's that's the thing mary it's not i mean it, it's I, I wouldn't i wouldn't even i wouldn't put a time limit on it to be perfectly honest with you I, you know the, the the genre is so big and there are there's literally something for every taste and that there's something for every taste being published regularly you know one of the one of the great things about my job is that i get uh, i get a lot of, of books to review um professionally i also get a lot i, I get asked to you know uh, provide statements and things like that, comments for not statements that's that that's if i've been as i've been arrested <laughs> um i get like please I, have you in as their own reviewer like right. what should we be reading while we're on our stakeout listen, jonathan <laughs> listen this is it you, you know journalist and crime writer it's it, you, you get you, you become the job uh, i get asked for endorsements is the okay. is the term that i meant to use for for other writers that, I, that i'm friendly with and, and what have you and some that i'm not friendly with which is which is always nicer um but a uh, you know the, the 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 variance particularly when it comes to crime fiction that, that that i get through the door on a daily basis um 
it's it's flabbergasting actually, and it's and it's really nice to see. It's really really nice to see, and and you notice this when you go to things like Noir at the Bar, obviously that that, that yeah. you know we we've all been to Edinburgh, you know, uh, or, or everywhere, bloody Scotland, Harrogate, you know, all the all the, the the big festivals, all the big book festivals. You know, you have people sharing the stage, sometimes with folk who are from the same genre. And you get all these different insights and things like that. But also you get you get panels where you've got people that are from completely different elements of, of the genre, but they all write crime and 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 you know, people, the audience, you know, it, it all comes down to the audience, it all comes down to the readership and 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 readers, crime fiction readers are 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 a, are wonderful because they, they enjoy such a massive spectrum, such a such a, yeah. a huge variance of of different types of crime essentially. And and yeah, so I, that's that's not yeah, I, I wouldn't put a time limit on it. I, I think it's it's a you know the, the 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 a good story is always a good story. It doesn't matter what the uh, it doesn't matter how it's told and 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 what's what's fashionable at the, at the time. Fashion obviously helps, but as you can probably tell from me with my hair and stupid beard and ACDC t-shirt, then I don't know anything about fashion. So it's it's. Uh, yeah, I, I, it's it, it's it's a very very broad church, and, and and long may that continue as well, because it means that you're getting you're getting very very different voices, and you're getting very very different people coming into the industry from different backgrounds, from uh, different histories, different perspectives, different voices, and crime's great for that because because it's it's a ready made it's a ready made world for you to bring your own perspective onto, um, and also at the end of the day, everybody loves a good read. And and that 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 never changes. From fashion, never changes. That's the that's a perennial fashion. Is that we all we all love to sit down and read something really really good and, and written really really well, and get to the end of it and think, um, God, I didn't see that one coming. That's that's what you want. That's what you want as a writer, as you'll know, Mary. As uh, and that's what you want as a reader as well. Because that's the thing. We're all readers. You know, we're all we're all readers. And and um, and it, I think it always pays. The best writers I know. The best writers I know are the ones who don't forget that they're readers. Um, mm. They're readers too, and they they write they write to be read. They write how they would like to read something, and 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 that's that's been a that's something that I tend to to, to kind of try to keep it in the forefront of my mind when I sit down at the computer and and, and come up with grisly things to happen in in, in Penrith and beyond and the surrounding area areas. Yeah, there's nothing like that magic when you open a book and you're reading the first few lines and it just hits you and you're just Absolutely. like, oh yeah, in the Absolutely. first few lines, I am totally obsessed with this already. I just got one through for a review this week, which I had that experience with and um, I've got through it so quickly. I don't always get through my review books that quickly. Yeah, yeah. Um, Partly because sometimes the books are not ones I would necessarily have chosen for myself. Yeah, yeah. Um, which doesn't make them bad. It just no, makes no, no, it no, doesn't no. like fire off all my synapses necessarily. Absolutely. But this one immediately, I was just like, "Oh, this is brilliant! This is a what is it? What is it?" So I've got it here right beside me. It's London Black. All right, or London in Black. Um, so I will be putting a review up, but excellent. It, Based in London 2029, there has been a massive sort of terrorist attack with a nerve agent. All right, blame me. Yeah, and a kind of almost collapse of society as a result. 
and they're investigating a murder sort of several years after that's happened so people are still suffering um there's like survivors rights groups there's um you know everybody's lost somebody uh and it it's i think what's really amazing is it kind of it gave me the atmosphere that you had after the london bombings and seven Mm -hmm. seven very much but also it gave me a bit of a pandemic vibe as well yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a lot of illness. And I was like, it feels like it's really managed to coalesce two quite important things for yeah, the last absolutely. decade into yeah. one um, without it being the same. So, yeah, yeah, think, yeah, of course. I think that's fairly clever. And I, I think sci fi and crime mashups are always quite potent because, as well as you trying to work out, who's committed the crime you're also trying to work out what's happened between now and then in this society for it to become this way so it kind of like gives you an extra layer of investigation for you to to look out for it's it's always very special when you get that moment though isn't it exactly as you said mary when you when you open up in the first couple of couple of lines of the first chapter or what have you you're, you're in you're sucked in uh, I remember. I can't remember. I can't remember who it was that told me it, and I can't remember the the name of the quote, which is terrible. Typical journalist. Um, but some famous writer said a hundred years ago that the first page sells that book. Uh, or the first first. I think the first page sells sells the the book that you're reading, and the last page sells the next one. Mm. Um, and again, you know, that's that's what commercial writers tend to do is that that's how they that's how they place it is that you know you're grabbed from you're grabbed by the jugular from the from the off and then when you get to the end of it you want to leave the reader a uh, wanting more more from the world more from the characters more from you as a writer and that's that's what you're after but it is you're right it's a very special moment and actually again i i'm i'm grateful for it and i suppose it, it speaks more about my subconscious i guess but um you know getting a lot of books through particularly exactly as you say mary the Books that you might not necessarily pick up on the on the bookshelf if you were out shopping or what have you. Um, it's always a very very special feeling to get when when you when you when you you know that this one's going to be you know you know that this is this is for you. Um, it's not yeah. to say that you can't you, you don't you know you don't in, in you don't try and persevere with other ones, but it's it's always really really nice. It's 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 very special. It's lovely, and I I get very evangelical when I really like something as well. <laughs> so if I love somebody's book, I'll just be going to when you've got to read this. This is the most amazing thing ever. Excellent, excellent. Um, you know. So um, in winding up, so you've already given away that there's going to be another Bingo Hall detective book. Spoiler. Um, no. Can you give us any hints about what's no. happening? No, no, I can't. No. I can't. Jason and Amateur are in it. And they've got to investigate a crime. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I know I'm terrible. I'm terrible. What what I will say is what I will say is I I'm not allowed to tell you what the title is, but we have a title for it, and I'm very very excited. This is the thing, right? And I, I, I I've been seeing this the whole I've been seeing this the whole you know two months that that they that the Bingo Hall Detectives has been out <clears throat> three months. Well, what month is it? It's July. Uh, it was out in April. Four four months. I don't know what, what whatever year this is, whatever century it is. Someone else could do the maths, um, but I've been saying that all the I'm I'm notoriously terrible for titles. I, I'm I'm dreadful for titles, and 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 I the, the titles that I come up with for for books, uh, I just think they're they're dreadful. I think they're awful, and it takes either my wife or or my editors and publishers and things like that to say, 
no, this, they, they are terrible, Jonathan. Here's what we're going to call it, you know. So, um, it, it was a very, very collaborative uh, effort with the uh, with my publisher about the the the, uh, the new one, and I am I'm delighted actually. I'm delighted with the with the title of it, and I know this this is terrible because this is this is a proper tease, and I don't mean to do this because I'm not allowed to say anything about it yet, but. Um, I've written it. I've written the first draft. The first draft is with the is with my publisher at the moment. Uh, two months ahead of schedule. I should. Uh, oh, I, well I like done. to. I like to boast about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was. Um, it was due in at the end of August, and I and I handed it in at the start of July. I was. Uh, I was thrilled. Absolutely thrilled. It's the hardest book I've ever written. It's the hardest book I've ever written. Um, because I think. Uh, it's also it's also probably been the most fun book that I've ever written as well. Um, because I think the a. Uh, I've made no bones about saying that the Bingo Hall Detectives is the best thing that I've ever written, and uh, while I was while I was uh, I, I, I was um, spouting that off at, at events and, and blog tours and, and things like that, and, and even saying it now, uh, I didn't quite <laughs> didn't quite take into account that I was contracted for at least another one, and so I've got I've got to go, I've got to go not only I've got to go and do it again, but I've got to do it even better than than, than the best thing I've ever written. Um, but listen, that's that's a lovely, lovely problem to have. A really, really yeah. lovely problem to have, and and it's something that I've, I, 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 again, I've been very, very aware of with every word and every syllable and every letter that's been written in, in this one. But actually, do you know, I, I make it out to be, to, I make it out probably to sound like a, to sound like something that it, that it actually isn't. It's, it, it's been an absolute thrill to, to, to get back in the, in the world of it. Because I took, I took some time off writing. Actually, I didn't, I didn't do any other projects between. Between the end of the editing process for the Bingo Hall Detectives and starting this one, which I started, I think, I think I might have started it two weeks after Bingo Hall Detectives came out. Um, so there was maybe about a three month, four month layoff where I didn't write anything. Uh, very quick, aren't you? Is that well, journalistic training? Do you absolutely. Think? Like, yeah. Always that, having deadlines. That, that's it. That that's exactly it. You know, that's exactly it. I think I wrote the I think I wrote the Bingo Hall Detectives in nine weeks. I think the first the first draft was written in nine weeks. This one took me, I think it was probably closer to about 15, 16 weeks to 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 do. Um and that that is that is a long time for me. That that's that's a long time for me as a as a writer. The 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 the, the thing for me as a writer is it's not necessarily it's not necessarily when I sit down to do the work, because I can sit down and do you know two, three, four, five thousand words, and I've not I've not even realised that it helps that I've got an eighteen month old son, um, who, contrary to popular belief, actually quite enjoys my company. Uh, so I've got to I've got to dedicate a I've got to dedicate some time to, to him and his well being and what have you, and a family obviously. Um, <laughs> so it means that and and a job and uh, you know every, and another job I should say uh, and and everything else that's been going on. Um, but it means that I dedicate an hour a night to writing. Uh, but it me it also means that I've got to be completely laser focused on what I'm going to write in that hour. So it means that when I sit down, when that hour starts, if it's six till seven, seven till eight, ten till eleven, or what have you, um, I know exactly what I'm going to write before I before I even turn on the laptop or, or turn on the computer. And it means that because I can't afford to I can't afford to waste the time. Yeah. It's 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 too important to do so. It it particularly in the in the, the sort of final couple of weeks for the for the second Bingo Hall Detectives, I was hammering out five six thousand words uh, uh in in an hour and and i'd never done that before i'd never ever done that before again context to it is that when you get past a certain point with with a novel you'll know this mary that particularly towards the end it sort of steamrolls you know it becomes yeah. like a it becomes like a, a, an avalanche 
um, and it becomes a lot easier to sit down and do th those sorts of levels of of, of writing. Um, but you know, again, there's always that middle. There's always that middle lull. Um, but it's it's helped me knowing that when I sit down at the computer, I can't waste any time. I've yeah. got to I've got to be productive with it, and it means that I sit down and I know exactly what I'm about to write. If anything changes in the process of it, then it will get changed. But we we keep going, we keep moving forward. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I was given I was given a bit of advice actually, and it, it was it was really 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 good advice. It was actually probably some of the best writing advice I've ever been given. It's by Chris McDonald, the the um, the crime writer. Uh, and he'd been told it by someone else. He's one. He's on the Blood Brothers podcast. He's one of the Blood Brothers, the eponymous Blood Brothers. Um, and they'd had a guest on, uh, I think it was years ago now, and they'd quoted some writer who'd said that when you're writing a series and you've taken some time off, the best way to get back into the mentality of it is to uh, rewrite a chapter from the last book. So take, take, take a chapter from anywhere in the, in the novel uh, and just copy it out, just copy it word for word into in, into you know another document, a black document, or write it down. Um, and I I, I was I, I'm pretty skeptical with these types of things. I always think these things kind of sound a lot more gimmicky than than they can do in in, in practical terms. Um, but I did it for this. I did it for this because I was I, again. It was something I was very aware of. Was that it had been four months off since the editing period started. It's a very very specific voice that you've got to get into into the head of for cozy crime in particular. Um, and my worry was that I would sit down and just sort of naturally go back to more blood and guts and gore and what have you than than, than was necessary. So I did it. So I printed out. I think I think it was it was either chapter twenty one or twenty two of the Bingo Hall Detectives, right slap bang in the middle. Uh, picked it at random, um, printed it out and sat and copied that word for word into a new blank document. And by the end of the chapter, uh, I was completely, completely back in the zone, uh, totally back in the, the world of, of Amita and Jason and uh, and ready to do some do some work, uh, which I did, which is which has been great. And like I said, I've I've handed the the, the first draft in. Um so that's it means an amazing that, tip, actually. It's, I, I, can... I, I couldn't recommend it enough. I genuinely couldn't recommend it enough. It's it, it, it I, again. I was I'm as skeptical as, as as anybody can be with these types of things, um, but it was so so good. It was such a valuable lesson. It didn't take that long, you know. It it wasn't it wasn't like you know, you had to do hours and hours and hours of prep to get back into it. It was it was done in maybe thirty minutes, forty minutes tops, um, and you just sit and copy it and uh, you know word for word in the atmosphere and the similes and the language and the, the relationships between the characters. Uh, yeah, I, it was, it was, it was fantastic. A really, 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 really valuable piece of writing. And I'm trying to pass it on, you know, that way where you get something, yeah. really, you, 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 you crack it and then you, you, you find something that's, that's really, really good. You try and pass it on as, as much as possible. Try to keep the, keep the universe ticking over. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's, well, that's, that, that's what I'm recommending. If I ever get to the stage of having a series, I shall keep that in mind. Absolutely. Um, so one of the, we're going to finish up quite soon, but one of the things I'm always very interested in is the relationship between real crime and crime fiction, because it's a very symbiotic relationship. Yep. And I'm not sure you can say which one comes first, really. Um so I was looking to see if I could find any crimes similar to the Bingo right. Hall Detectives. And right. I have found a podcast, oh. which is a very domestic crime. Right. Quite low-key, but yet 
had local journalism in it and the Eurovision Song Contest. <laughs> oh, oh, surely not. Yeah, it does. Surely not. Um, it's a BBC podcast called Bodies in the Garden, The Witcherly Murders. Right. And it's quite phenomenal with because it's also just incredibly ordinary and dull. Um, <laughs> this woman and her husband, they have no financial management. They both okay. live in a fantasy world. Um, right. Obsessed with like golden age Hollywood um, okay. and spend all their spare time buying Hollywood memorabilia. Right. They shoot her parents, bury them in the back garden, Blimey. and um, sell the house to get the money. Isn't discovered for fourteen years because oh they spend God. they spend fourteen years conning all family members, kind of going, "Yeah, mum and dad have retired now. They've they've moved to Ireland and they're just travelling around." And you know, like they even enrolled them on the electoral registers. Nobody oh, really? picked up. Nobody picked up at all until they ran out of money and they went, right, we're going to have to hand ourselves in. So they just (laughs) had themselves in. Um, And it was broken by a local journalist. So on the podcast, they do quite a lot of chatting with the journalist from the local paper who broke the story. It then became a big international story because they were hiding in France. Um, And they couldn't remember the exact date they'd killed the parents. So the way they managed to date it was because they remembered it was the weekend of the Eurovision. (laughs) Oh, no. Undone by their own hubris, you might say. Uh, Oh, God, that's that's incredible. 14 years? 14 years. I think what helped was the fact that her parents weren't social people so they weren't the kind right, of people who right, would just right, okay. chat with a neighbor in the right. garden it's or... frightening though it is actually quite scary how good they were but i think yeah. they also had a massive amount of practice in right their fantasy lives because they were making everything up in their heads yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's really where they were living to the point and this was quite phenomenal the wife managed to persuade her husband he was in a pen pal type relationship with Gerard Depardieu. And nice. she even bought a franking machine so she could frank letters Gerard Depardieu was sending him with a with a French frank. And it's Incredible. quite astounding. Absolutely. But, yeah, I kind of thought it's going to be hard to find a true crime that's like the bingo hall detectives, but no, there is a crime nope. for everything. There is nothing, nothing stranger than real life. Nothing stranger Absolutely. than real life. Absolutely, and and that's that's the thing is crime writers, like I said, we try and cra- we try and capture some of that some of that real life uh, mysticism and 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 absolute bonkers nuttery. Um, but you know. You, you, you then cut you, you then hear stories like this 14 years that's terrifying it's terrifying to think that you can you can be murdered and nobody nobody knows for 14 years 14 years is a long long time it's a really long time it's a really long time i i think i would just be bored of the pretense like that's, i don't yeah. I, mean, I don't the, have the, the effort, energy yeah. level no, to keep no absolutely like what what was it like at sort of year six and year seven you know those sort of middle years when it's you know you've kind of lost the you've, you've lost the, the pep and the excitement <laughs> of it and it's now you're just having to sort of carry on and then year 13 and it's like 
I've still got it's to say that mom and dad are in Ireland. Yeah, it's the main reason I haven't shot any of my family. <laughs> is I just couldn't keep the pretense up. It's the only thing that's stopping me. Uh, listen, here, 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 here to that. That's why I don't. Well, I, as I've said again, I people have asked that if you know if Amit has got any hallmarks of my mother-in-law. I, there's absolutely no way that I could go solve murders with my mother-in-law because there'd be two more murders, namely hers and mine, by each other. Um, yeah. So, so there you go. Yeah, absolutely. Same time. <laughs> Thank you so much for giving us your time, Jonathan. It's been lovely to chat, and um, I'm looking forward to the next one coming up. I think there's something really special about when you get in on a series at the beginning, and you get to see the characters develop and the storylines develop. So, I'm I'm pleased that I started off with the first Bingo Hall Detectives, and I'm really looking forward to the next book. Very kind of you. Thank you very much for having me. It's my pleasure. You have been listening to True Crime Fiction, the podcast that is feeding your addiction to all things crime. You can find our website at true-crime-fiction.com, on Twitter at true underscore crime underscore fic, on Facebook and Instagram as True Crime Fiction. Please rate and review on the podcast app of your choice. Music is by Kitty Kitty Meow Meow.